Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. And welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA podcast. My name is Keith here alone for a solo interview episode. The full episode with Chuck and John will be out sometime later not really sure john is in new york for a while we are entering into our off-season mode where we have fewer of the full episodes but there will be something out probably right before the draft and definitely right after the draft with all three of us if you want to stay in touch though with john and chuck you can go to patreon.com fastbreakbreakfast and sign up for our slack chat in which we talk about basketball and movies and any other number of topics around the clock. So if you do want more Fast Break Breakfast, you can always support our show at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Also, we're starting it up again. Since apparently you listeners won't do anything just out of the goodness of your heart, you need rewards We're going to start reading iTunes reviews on air once again. Any iTunes review, we will read it on air. As long as it is not upsettingly offensive, we will read it. You can give yourself a shout-out. You can give a plug to your band or your own podcast, whatever it may be. So for the next little bit, maybe the month of June and July, if you write an iTunes review... It obviously helps us out, helps other people find the show, and we will give you a shout-out. All right, and now let's talk about the Orlando Magic. My guest today is the editor for Orlando Magic Daily. He's a contributor to The Step Back and host of the Locked On Magic podcast, Mr. Philip Rossman Reich, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Ready to ready to have a draft. Yeah. Oh, you're ready for the optimism of the new season. That is. I know. Right? I know. It's so nice being O and O instead of whatever the Magic's record was last year. Yeah. I know what it is. I just choose not to name it. <laughs> it was well under 500. Um, yes. Before we get any deeper into the depression that is the Orlando Magic, it is our tradition to talk about breakfast. Did you have breakfast this morning? I did not. I can't remember. You are a repeat guest. What was your, uh, we had you on last, I want to say October sometime. Uh, yeah. I couldn't remember. Did you eat breakfast then? Are you a breakfast man? I, I usually am a breakfast man, but I woke up a little bit late today and and I decided, you know, I'm just going to, you know, down a like mini apple juice and power on through. Well, hey, a, a juice, that counts. Okay. Uh, if the Orlando Magic were a breakfast, what would they be? Ooh. Hmm. I, you know, I would say they are a uh, cookie dough 
a, a chocolate chip cookie dough pop tart, which sounds really good. <laughs> but when you actually bite into it, it's not good at all. It's uh, and actually, and actually, the only time I've ever had a chocolate chip cookie dough ice uh, pop tart, and I love pop tarts. Only time I ever had a chocolate chip cookie dough pop tart, I was throwing up the entire day. So that's that. That is the Orlando magic from last year to me. I would, yeah, I like that. I like that analogy. I could also imagine they could be some kind of breakfast where, when you first hear about it, you're like, "Oh, that sounds terrible," and then someone explains it to you, like, "No, no, no, no!" Like the eggs are going to play off that blackberry jam. And then the syrup is going to work with with the to bring out whatever the flavor of the sausage, and you're like, oh, all right, I guess you've talked me into it. Maybe that's okay. And then when you actually eat it, you're like, nope, this is terrible. <laughs> because last year we were actually openly mocking everything on our podcast. Uh, we were openly mo- mocking everything the magic had done <laughs> for years, and we came to the point like, you know what, we need to get a true believer on here to defend what the magic have done. So you came on and you honestly convinced me that things were going to be okay. I was (laughs) was like, all right, you know what? I listened to Frank Vogel give a talk and he was talking about building this defensive identity. And I'm like, man, maybe it'll be really cool to have like Ibaka and Biombo out there. Like that's going to be tough to score on. And so I was like, you know what? I'm now going to take the Orlando Magic over, the Vegas win total over. I'm like, I'm, I'm all in. I think Vogel's a good coach. Like, it's got to be an upgrade from Scott Skiles. Things are going to go great. So, Philip, what happened? Uh, you know, I, I think two things happened. One, the league changed a lot this year. I mean, we saw record offensive numbers this year. I think, I think the last time I checked... The, the best defensive rating in the league this year was the highest it's been since the 1995 season. And, of course, the 1995 season is most notable for the fact that they moved the three-point line in by about a foot. Yeah. Um, so it, that, I think, I think that was a huge miscalculation on the Magic's, Magic's part, that the, the league has changed so much offensively. And, and, and Orlando even said, you know, we're going to kind of zig while everyone's zagging. And they just got they just got beat up and blown up by it. I mean, frankly, they they could not um, they just they could not keep up with other teams. And while early in the season they were able to play a lot of games that were like in the mid nineties, that quickly fell apart. And once that once that fell apart, that was that was the game. The other part is that the pieces just did not fit together. I think the the that was a general assumption and feeling about uh, about the 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 team before the season that the pieces just weren't going to fit together. And, and the general thought was, you know, the defense will carry them up and, and keep them in games and, and at least give them a shot to win games. And that that'll give them a chance that didn't happen because the pieces didn't fit together defensively either. And I think some of that had to do with the increase in speed and the increase uh, in, in three point shooting that pulled a, a, a stretch four power forward, like Serge Ibaka out of the paint and away from blocking shots. Uh, a lot of the other defenders the Magic were relying on, especially at point guard with Alfred Payton, never really came to fruition, never really got themselves going. And so, uh, you know, the Magic's defense was actually in the top five in the league for the first quarter of the season. And then after about December 8th, December 9th, there's a game against the Washington Wizards, which they won scoring in the hundreds. It's the first time they'd scored, scored more than 100 points and given up more than 100 points in several weeks. 
And then from then on, it was the defense was just gone. They they just they just could not get it back. And I think as the team got got worse and further behind, you know, people let go of the rope. And and when that happens, you end up with a twenty nine win season. <laughs> so the Magic are in the midst of the worst stretch in their franchise's history, uh, a bad five-year run under Rob Hennigan as a GM. Not all the blame can be placed on him, but it feels like a lot of it can be placed on him. Been a, a continuous kind of run of questionable moves. This season, though, they ended up, you know, the Obaka thing didn't work out, so I guess they they cashed in whatever equity he still had to try to bring back Ross and then a pick in this year's draft. Um, so looking forward, now that there's a new GM, new management, uh, is there any, or what is the optimism, uh, for Orlando magic fans now that things are, as you said, the record's back to zero and zero. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's, there's guarded optimism. I think, I think people want, want to give this team a chance, but you know, they, they've been burned and, and you know, it's, it's not just, I think that ownership feels the pressure to make the playoffs because this is the longest stretch. Five years is the longest stretch. The magic have ever been out of the playoffs in their 28 year history. I think fans want that, feel that pressure too, or are putting that pressure on too. There's a lot of fans that are that are simply that are simply saying, and I, I've heard this directly from from followers on Twitter. Five years is long enough. They should be better. And in some sense, I agree with that. And in another sense, I'd say, you know, when you rush things, you get this mess. I mean, this is what happens when you try to rush things. And so I think if there's optimism about the magic, it's that there's a new voice. It's kind of a little bit of a fresh start. You get a high draft pick at six that that looks like it's going to be a, a very high quality player one way or another. I mean, I was talking with people yesterday and, you know, there's people in the Dennis Smith camp. There's people in the Jason Tatum camp and, you know, people in various player camps. And I keep saying to them, two of these guys are going to be available at six. The Magic are in a very good position to get a high level player to kind of jumpstart this rebuild. The way the team played toward the end of the season after the trade deadline uh, while the record wasn't fantastic, I think they were eight and sixteen after the All Star break. They aesthetically looked like they were playing a little bit better, and so with you know having the same coach for consecutive years for the first time in four seasons, uh, having uh, having an offense that looks like it fits the modern style a little bit more, and so you can begin building around that scheme rather than more of an outdated scheme that that they tried last year. There's a little bit of optimism that they can keep the ball moving forward. Um, what's going to be really important is managing expectations because the uh, because the the way the Magic approached last season the, was to push all their eggs in, use up all their assets to try and make the playoffs. Team personnel, I mean, Coach Frank Vogel went out on the floor during the open practice and said, are you ready to make the playoffs? It set very, very high expectations. And then frankly, with the talents on that team, they, they deserve those high expectations with all the moves that they made. And so when they failed to, to meet them, it really soured fans. And so fans are just, I think, a little cautious about believing in this team. And I think what's, what's really important, you know, even from someone like me, is to set realistic expectations and to say, you know, yes, there are endless possibilities right now at O&O, but in all likelihood, this is going to take a few years to, to get back on track, and they're probably not a playoff team next year. You said they embraced, started to embrace at the end of the season a more modern style. I feel like that includes finally placing mm -hmm. Aaron Gordon at the four. 
again, we got a lot of mileage out of laughing yeah. over the Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green at the three. Just like, you know, he's, oh, you guys, he started you guys the game at the two, right? Didn't he? Yeah, that Jeff, was, you must have loved when Jeff Green played the two. Oh, man. When they started all power forwards, we were dying. Anyway, but so, <laughs> I don't so, blame you. so does that embrace uh, a modern style mean like Vogel has finally accepted like Aaron Gordon is our power forward? Yeah, and, and I think generally they would say Gordon is still a forward. Um, that that he probably positionally plays best at the four, uh, but but they still I think want to find ways to use him on the perimeter on defense. Um, I think that's the that's that's the, the 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 conundrum with Aaron Gordon. You know, I was not as low on the Aaron Gordon at the three experiment as other people. I thought that he showed some good things, specifically on defense. I think I think Gordon has shown potential to be an all defensive team player in the in the NBA. Um, I think he he's he can be that good. But the issue with him is because his jump shot isn't developed, because he doesn't have great handles, he's not able to, to break players down off the dribble, he loses almost all of his effectiveness and certainly all of his consistency on the offensive end. The big games that he had at the three, there are two games he had against the Clippers where he scored 30 or more points. Austin Rivers was guarding him at, at the three. Uh, and so that was a very, very favorable matchup. He actually... You know, put him on, put put him in the post a lot more than, than probably any other game, and he was a lot more effective. And and Gordon has a very poor post game, to be honest. Uh, and so, finding a way to make Gordon more effective is a, a big issue for the Magic because right now he is probably their their the player that they should most want to build around. Um, he's not, I won't say he's the best player on the team right now, but he's certainly the best player on the team like next year or, or the year after, or, you know, he's, he's, the, he's kind of the future of the franchise right now. And so playing in a style that gets him out in transition, that puts him closer to the basket where he can cut and kind of cover around the basket. That's probably where he's still most effective. Working him in the pinch post is a lot better than working him beyond the three point line. The three pointer just isn't his weapon yet. And he's, he's supposedly working on it this summer, but at the same time, he wasn't there last year, and so that experiment was just a, 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 a not a complete failure because I do think in the same way that uh, Victor Oladipo learned some things at point guard, that one year he played point guard, I think that helped him gain some skills. I think Gordon gained some skills at the three. Unfortunately, it came in a year where results mattered, and when results matter, you can't be running crazy experiments like that. Terrence Ross, who was acquired uh, in the Ibaka trade, he got to showcase himself a little bit or attempted to showcase himself in the end of this season. What did you see uh, from Terrence Ross? You know, I saw a player that that is uh, still trying to find some consistency, but he slowly, slowly, slowly got better uh, as as the season went on and, and looked more comfortable within the team's offense. Uh, they they tried using him in ways that he wasn't used very much in Toronto. They they put him off of uh, dribble handoffs and and some some different pin down screens to get him kind of in the in the mid range so he could drive a little bit more. He actually I, what I was really impressed with was how good of a passer he was. He was a really smart passer, uh, and he's got a quick shot. And so he certainly seemed like he was getting more comfortable as the season came to an end. There was still a little bit of that inconsistency where he'd score 20 points one night and then six or seven the next night. So you don't want to rely on him maybe as your top scorer. But at the same time, he was looking like he was getting there, like he was getting to the point where he was going to going to average 14, 15, 16 points per game uh, as the season came to a close. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how the Magic use him next year, whether whether they can get him more involved. Because frankly, a lot of Ross's inconsistency, inconsistency to me 
is not so much about uh, his his scoring production. I think that he struggle or the Magic struggled to keep him involved when he was scoring well. There were fourth quarters where he didn't touch the ball when he was at on 25, 26 points. Uh, that can't happen. When when you've got a hot hand like that, when you got someone who's kind of carried you the length of the way, you got to trust him a little bit. And and I, I don't think that that element was quite there toward the end of the season with Ross. Yeah, he's a guy who league pass junkies feel like we were curious that was he just, you know, was he stuck behind DeMar DeRozan and that's why he couldn't be more involved in Toronto. So it, it was wondering when he got to the Magic, got a little more playing time, you know, a higher usage rate, like would he deliver? What I saw was, as you said, very inconsistent still, which was a little disappointing, especially for fantasy basketball players who might have picked him up thinking he would fill the scoring void in Orlando. Um, do you think his future is perhaps as a starter alongside Fournier, or is he best suited to a, maybe a bench role like permanently for his career? You know, it, it might, he might end up on the bench. I'm not exactly sure. It, I mean, honestly, it kind of depends what direction the magic go in the draft and, and, and what they do deal wise. I mean, I think that, uh, as, as good as Terrence Ross looks and, and, and was last year, his contract is a lot more movable than a lot of other contracts on the team. And so, it, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say the Magic should should or definitely will trade Terrence Ross, but because his deal is so movable, he's what, paid $12.5 million next for the next two years. Because he's shown that potential, there's, there's probably still some curiosity around the league. If the Magic are looking to make a trade to improve their roster, I think they've got to at least explore Ross ideas. Now, having said that, if, if things go the way I kind of anticipate them going, Ross will probably still be on the team and he'll probably still start at the two or the three. Uh, and whether that's the best spot for him, I, I don't know. I think the Magic certainly want to uh, want to give him that opportunity and want to see what he can do. I mean, they, they invested a little bit in him to, in him as well, uh, although it was a different general manager group, management group. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I, I think that that Ross is certainly a player worth continuing to grow and see if he can take a little bit more of those reins, especially while you're probably grooming a rookie behind him or behind the starters at this point to take that next step. The question from coming into last year, a lot of it was how's the front court rotation going to work? Like how do Biombo and then Abaka and Busevich coexist? Uh, so now that we got rid of Abaka, but you still have Biombo and Busevich. How do you see them coexisting in the future? You know, I I think that the the I th honestly I think one of the things the Magic are going to try and do this summer is trade Nikola Vucevic or at least begin testing the market for Vucevic. It's going to be very difficult to trade Biombo on a seventeen million dollar per year contract for the next three years, uh, and, and I think that even though Vucevic is a strong offensive weapon even though I think Vucevic actually showed a lot of improvement defensively, and I think that actually threw a little bit of a wrench into the Magic's plans. Like, I think they wanted Biombo to eventually start, but Vucevic was a better player uh, last year, honestly. He was a better def he was he was not a, a minus defender for the team last year, uh, and you got to give Frank Vogel a lot of credit for that. And I think he even said at one point, you know, we were surprised how developed Vucevic was as a defender. So having said having said all that, I think that for now, it's still going to be kind of an open competition where Vucevic is the incumbent starter. He probably should be the starter at this point, uh, but they're going to try and find ways to to get Biombo into the game and, and get him playing a little bit more because 
his shot blocking matters, and and that salary is a big albatross, you know, kind of preventing the Magic from making any major moves this summer. It, it if there's a player that I think is most likely to get traded on the Magic, it's unfortunately probably Nikola Vucevic. This summer should hold a lot of intrigue for not just Magic fans, but just fans of the NBA who like to see movement. Because when I, when I look at the Magic's roster, there's it's like a blank canvas or an empty slate of the Magic can kind of do whatever they want. There, there aren't, unfortunately, that many building blocks where you're like, we're definitely keeping this guy, we're definitely keeping this guy. It's kind of like, all right, Fournier's good, Aaron Gordon we probably want to build around, and then whoever we draft. And then beyond that, in my mind, it's just a blank slate. So as a Magic fan, I'm curious, one, what do you think is going to happen? And two, like, what are your wildest dreams for what could happen? Yeah, it, it, it's certainly an interesting uh, interesting scenario. Um, I think what the Magic have to kind of come to realize is we are trending toward or building toward a certain style of play. And, you know, honestly, last year they they wanted to be they wanted to play fast and get up in transition, but they wanted to be a defense first team, and that didn't work. And so essentially the Magic offense did a complete 180 after the All-Star break. They went from a relatively slower team that that kind of plotted a little bit too much uh, to a, a team that was taking a lot more three-pointers, that was getting out, out in transition. I think their fast break points increased by four or five points per game after the All-Star break. And so the offense shifted completely. And so I think that when you look at the Magic roster right now, there are players on the roster who do not fit this new style, that 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 fit the way the Magic envisioned themselves playing at the beginning of the season, but did not fit at the end of the season. And so I think what's actually kind of important important for for this team is to is to kind of recognize is to recognize that okay, these you know these sets of players, whoever they are, do not fit our roster anymore. We need to kind of you know wipe the slate clean. And even if we take back less. To even if we take back less in talent to, to kind of get them off our books or to bring in players who may not be as good but fit our style a little bit more, I think that's kind of the direction the Magic need to go. They have a lot, like you said, they have a lot of really interesting players, but they don't necessarily have players that other teams want. Um, and so I think you got to be willing to maybe take a bad salary to get you know to get a good player that 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 fits your style a little bit more. Take a player who might be on a bad salary that fits your style a little bit better in order to take the steps forward that you need to, that you need to take it. The magic this year, not, not record wise, because I do think that, that they'll still improve their record, but they might need to take a step back with talent to take a step forward next year, to clear some cap room, to give themselves a little bit more flexibility to make moves. Um, You know, if, if, if the magic, uh, for instance, if the magic come to the conclusion that Nikola Vucevic no longer fits the style that they want, and they're just going to try and just cash him in just to get rid of him. They, they they probably need to think about doing that. They probably need to think, you know, we're not going to get a player or even a package of players that are as good as Nikola Vucevic, but the freedom it allows us to give to maybe a rookie that we drafted or to play Bismack Biombo and see what he's got or to to bring in, you know, another, you know, shooter who maybe isn't getting as much playing time somewhere to to give him a chance. If that's the, I think that's kind of the direction the Magic have to go. The, the one thing they have to do this summer is get this draft right. If they get this draft wrong, it's it's gonna the process is gonna take longer. If they get this draft right, they're in good. I think they're in better shape. Are there any specific 
over you mentioned bad contracts like are there any specific bad contract guys out there that you're specifically thinking of that maybe the magic could get that other teams are trying to get rid of you know i i haven't thought too deeply about it um the there the idea uh i've been i've been kind of dead set against the brandon knight idea um uh, his name's been attached to the magic on several occasions and and i think the magic are going to try and address their point guard issues in another way but if, if you're going to bring in a player like Brandon Knight, you need to send out one of your bad contracts out too. And, and they're bad contracts. They're really the, the the really difficult to move contracts for the Magic right now are Bismack Biombo and Evan Fournier. And, and I'm not ready to give up Fournier for Knight. I think Fournier is probably a better player and honestly a better value than Knight. I would, um, other, I would say I would I would burn down the Amway Center if if they yeah. traded Fournier. Oh, for I, I was I was tell I was telling people that at the trade deadline last year, and when they were like, "Oh, the Magic should go after Brandon Knight," I'm like. Have you looked at his contract? You want you want to be you want to be in salary cap hell forever? I literally um, thought I was the only person still on Brandon Knight Island, like still who's like that guy's totally okay. But I mean, Fournier is awesome. I'm a I'm a huge yeah. Fournier fan. So yeah, yeah, and Fournier Fournier takes a lot of heat. I think, um, you know, because you know, and this this is generally I think the problem with the Magic Magic in general. You know, repeating myself there. Um, the the to me. Are, every player in the NBA is, is pretty much good. Any rotation player is pretty good. The The difference between the good teams and the bad teams to me is they use their players at the most of their talent. And, and what I mean by this is last year, the Magic had to use Evan Fournier essentially as their go-to player, as their top scorer, as their star. And Evan Fournier is not that player. If you're using Evan Fournier that way, the team is going to struggle, and Fournier's warts are going to look bigger. And so I think Fournier last year took a lot of heat from Magic fans. Some of it was, you know, part, you know, maybe partly my fault because I kind of framed the summer as the Magic need to make a decision between Victor Oladipo and Evan Fournier, and I don't know which which way that goes. And the Magic essentially made that decision going with Evan Fournier. But Fournier still had a good season. He averaged career high in points. Um, he he lost a lot of his efficiency because he was on the ball a lot more. And and I think that was part and parcel because of the roster. So if you put a roster that is stronger around him, that that kind of puts puts him in that secondary or tertiary scoring role, that's going to help unlock him. He's still going to average around 15, 16, 17 points per game, but he's going to shoot it a lot more efficiently when he doesn't have to be the create the, the primary creator. And I think that's that's really the the difficulty that the Magic face right now. That's funny. Me, me not ever being around Orlando Magic fans. I had no idea people were giving heat to Evan Fournier. I, I know. I thought it's, he was like the bright spot. We're like, yeah, well, this guy's pretty good. Everybody else. A lot of <laughs> a lot of people. A lot of people. You know, the, the the knock on him is he's a little bit of a ball hog. Um, which again, he's he had to carry a heavy scoring load. Um, even though he averaged a career high in assists this year, he is not a good defender, which is a fair criticism. He's not a very good defender. Um, but at the same time, to me, it's like, to me, I say, look, the magic are not playing Evan Fournier in the right role. We all know this. He probably knows this. He's doing what his team is asking him to do to the best of his abilities. And the issue is when you ask him to do more than he's capable of doing, your team's going to struggle, which is what the magic did. Yeah. I mean, what's, is he going to pass the Jeff Green or Alfred Payton? I mean, come on. Exactly. Who's he's, (laughs) he's, he, uh, at, at most times on the floor, he is the team's best shooter on the floor, best three point shooter on the floor. And so if he is having to attack and drive, there are no other shooters on the floor to help him. Yeah. So who's he supposed to pass it to? Yeah. It's a, it's not an, not an optimal situation. Uh, 
couple last things. I noticed in the infamous whiteboard photo where <laughs> there was the list of maybe potential players that the team was was targeting. I noticed Chandler Parsons' name was underlined as a Grizzlies fan. <laughs> do I have any hope or, or, or did that hope die and Rob Hennigan getting fired? Um, look, if the magic really wanted Chandler Parsons, they would have gone after him in free agency with all the money they had. Um, you know, I, there is, I guess, always a little bit of hope because Chandler Parsons is an Orlando guy. There you go. Um, he was, he was born in Orlando. So there's always going to be a little bit of that connection. Uh, but and certainly the Magic could probably use his three-point shooting when he's healthy. But I I really doubt it, especially with that contract. Um, you know, you'd have to you'd have to be willing to take on the Ambo's contract as well as probably DJ Augustin's contract just to make it even possible. Um, hey, hey and, and let's, those... let's not be so uh pessimistic. I, so far <laughs> I'm, I'm still on board. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, you know, so uh, I, I'm not high on Parsons person personally. Uh, you know, I think the injury issues are, are they, they're on, they're ongoing and recurring. Uh, you know, I'm the, I, I'm not a, a, certainly a huge fan at that, at that price, but you know, anything can happen. There is very, very little sense of what direction Jeff Weltman wants to take this team, uh, because they, they really haven't said anything. I mean, since, since they took over, all the news coming out of their draft prep has completely silenced. I mean, we really have no clue what direction they want to go in the draft, what direction they want to go in free agency, what direction they want to go in trades. Uh, all I know is I am fairly certain the Magic will have to be active on the trade market because that's the best way for them to improve their team. And, you know, if they believe Chandler Barsons can improve their team at that price or, you know, give them some flexibility elsewhere – Maybe they do it. I don't know. I, I I highly doubt it. I think that the Magic would try and bring in a, a package of players or 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 some expire or, or players who are um, kind of expiring almost to to get them in, to the next next level. Yeah, I agree, and I think that is why for me the Magic are just such an interesting franchise this summer because they can go in so many directions. Like it's literally like I, I will. The one thing I'll be disappointed in is if they don't do something major. Like if, if most yeah. of these guys still under contract are under contract in October on the team and they've just added a draft pick and, you know, whatever else pieces around that are, you know, insignificant. Like I'm going to be kind of disappointed there because they can't, they can't, they can't come back next year with the same roster. That much yeah. is clear. They, they won 29 games last year. They cannot come back with the same roster. Just adding a rookie is not going to drastically improve this team's fortunes. They need to shuffle the decks a little bit. And and it probably means they have to trade a, a starter a, a, or maybe two starters to get themselves going in the right direction. Uh, last question. Is there any validity to the, Alfred Payton can't shoot because of his hair theory. Ah, <laughs> I, I don't buy it. Um, I've seen that video. I've seen that thought. Um, if if there is validity to it, it's because of the way Payton shoots and not because of his hair. Uh, Alfred, t t when I break down Alfred Payton's shot, I see. I always see a tendency that he kind of cocks his, his the ball too far back. It's almost like I know I have this problem when I'm when I'm doing my golf when I'm playing golf. I have a tendency on my backswing to kind of bend my elbow a little bit. And so when I come down, so I'm taking the club back too far. And so when I come down, my timing is completely off. I'm, I'm, 
I'm hitting, I'm, I'm releasing the club behind the ball and it, and it kills my distance and, and usually means I'm getting a chunk of dirt instead of the ball. I think Peyton has much the same problem uh, because I think when Peyton brings the ball back too far, it means he's releasing the ball at, at not at the top of the top of his jump while he's coming back down from the, from his jump. And that I think is essentially Peyton's problem as a jump shooter is he does his release point isn't always consistent. He doesn't always, uh, you know, get the ball at the optimal, at the optimal place to, to release it. Uh, and, and that's why his jumper to me is so inconsistent. I think that that's something that it looked like he worked on and, and improved on, but you know, old habits die hard. Yeah. It seems like the hair should actually might be like a good guide. Like if the ball hits your hair, you did it wrong. Exactly. So exactly. But, <laughs> but who knows? All right. Well, Philip, thanks so much for taking time to talk to me. Uh, tell people where they can read and hear you. Yeah, the best place to find me uh, on is uh, on at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Uh, updating that every day. Doing a lot of draft coverage. So it's not just right now. It's not just Magic centered uh, draft stuff. We're doing a lot of draft profiles because the Magic have four picks in this draft. If you haven't heard, including two in the first round. So we're we're hitting the draft very very hard. Uh, this this year, uh, plenty of other stuff on the Magic as as they enter this this intriguing off season, as you said. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at omagicdaily, and of course, uh, I'm the host of Locked On Magic, so daily Magic podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, be sure to check out the uh, Locked On uh, the the Locked On NBA uh, mock draft that's going on. All the Locked On hosts have done a mock draft. We're releasing them slowly over the next couple of days, so check out the Locked On NBA podcast for that. That sounds great. All right, thanks, Philip. Uh, appreciate having you. You have a good day. Yep. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks to Philip. Very realistic about the Orlando Magic over the last few seasons and the tasks they have moving forward. Hopefully they can get some traction down there. Uh, but they haven't been doing a good job building that team. Anyway, uh, if you do want more magic info, make sure you check out Philip on Locked on Magic for a daily dose of Orlando Magic news. All right, you guys, for the rest of you guys, remember, write iTunes reviews. We will read them on air. If you want to support our program, you can go to patreon.com slash breakfast. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Fast Break Break. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, no apologize for being TNG. Fast Break Break, man. You understand? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires goal for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.